Thanks for joining us today at The Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Mission, Church, Partnership, Evangelism, and its Missions Fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. It's our purpose to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and the planting of new churches around the world. And God is blessing and multiplying this work. If you'd like to learn more, please go to traincpe.org. For now, we continue a consideration of the experience of the Holy Spirit. Christ is teaching his disciples that the Holy Spirit brings to them the experience of himself so that they may continue a vibrant relationship with him. Where are you going? And they're confused and they're sad and they're sorrowing. And the Lord Jesus tells them of the Holy Spirit as a gift who's going to come to give them an experience of himself. And what he promises is the experience of companionship with him. He says, I will come to you. I will be with you. I will be in you. I won't leave you alone or orphans. And he's promising to them the experience of companionship. You know it, walking along some road, holding hand in hand someone dear and loving to you. They're your companion, and Christ says, that's what I'll come. That's what the Holy Spirit will come. He'll come to bring you the experience of my companionship. And then in John 14, 26, he's commending his disciples to the duty of lovingly obeying him. He's beginning to reveal to them that anyone who will lovingly obey him, that they will enjoy a fellowship with him because he and his father will come and make their homes within their hearts if they'll lovingly obey him. And so he's commending this life and this word of obedience to his teaching and instruction to his disciples. And then through them, he's commending to them this promise that anyone else who follows the instructions and teaching of the Lord Jesus from their witness will also enter into this place of deep abiding fellowship with God where he'll companion with them. And so there's a promise to them, but there's also an obligation that's beginning to be laid upon their lives to love him and to obey him, to bring to their minds all that Christ has taught them so they can follow and obey him and enter into this deep communion with the Father and then to teach others the same truth so that they too might enter into this kind of experience. And then in this context, the Lord Jesus gives them this wonderful promise from the Holy Spirit in John 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. And here is the experience and the comfort of Christ's own words and teachings being recalled. My Father and I will make our homes in anyone who lovingly obeys my word, and the Spirit is going to bring you to voice my instruction and my words to others and to give them my directions and so they can find and so that we can come and make our home in them as well and for you to share this word and for you to enter into this experience yourself, I'm going to, through my Holy Spirit, bring to you the recollection of my words and my teaching and my instruction. They're going to surround your life. In my office, I've got a drawer. Uh, I've got a lot of drawers. But one of the drawers has a manila envelope in it, and in that manila envelope are some old letters that were written to me. There were letters that my parents wrote me when I was in my first year of college. There are letters that my parents wrote me when... I was in my first year of marriage. I had to write a few more letters to me then to give me some different advice. I was in seminary at that time. There are letters that my father wrote to me when I was in my first year of ministry. And every once in a while, I pull those letters out and I read them. Usually when I need a little bit of encouragement. 
to hear the words, to see the words scribed upon the paper, some reassuring voice from my past, I find comfort in those notes. The Spirit brings to us the words of the Savior. His words of loving instruction, his words of encouragement, his words of command, his words of correction, his words of commission. He brings them as help to us, as encouragement to us, strengthening us in our role and our mission and our calling and surrounding us with his language and with his words. And there's nothing better than that. It's a wonderful promise. Here's a third thing that the Holy Spirit does. Living with the Lord Jesus, lovingly obeying and serving the Lord Jesus, making it our mission to share his teaching and instruction with others so that their hearts may become a home for the Lord Jesus, a place where God the Father and God the Son might abide within them through God the Spirit. Jesus began to warn his disciples after this that living that kind of life and following in that way was going to put them at odds with the world. And they were going to experience the world's opposition and the world's persecution. And yet it would not relieve them of this desire to make Christ known and to proclaim these truths. When you experience something profoundly, you want to share that experience with others. You want them to know what you're experiencing. And he tells them how it's going to be possible for them to persist in their witness, and their lives of sharing this good life and this good news with others in John chapter 15. He says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he'll testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is saying the spirit is going to bring to you the witness of my life. My own self will be imprinted upon your soul, and as a result, you're going to be able to speak as a witness to the world of me to others, even in the midst of their opposition. And here is the comfort of fired-up familiarity, or you might say here is the comfort of immediate intimacy, that you speak out of the immediacy of your experience of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That we don't have to go before people and give them a rendition of a faith that's simply been passed down to us by the customs and traditions through the ages, but that we can bear witness to the world out of the immediacy, of the intimacy, of the experience of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what John shares when he speaks and writes his letter to the early church. He speaks out of a life of experience of Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 1, let me read you the first two verses of 1 John chapter 1. There he writes, That which was from the beginning, speaking of Jesus Christ, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Here he's saying, here's the one we speak about. We speak about one who we were intimate with. We heard him, that's a certain kind of intimacy, hearing his voice, and we looked at him, we saw him, that was an intimacy. Then he says, we gazed upon him. We gazed upon him, and then we handled him, we had our hands upon him, and he had his hands upon us. That's the one we witnessed to you. That's the one we speak of concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. We're speaking to you out of the intimacy that we have known and have experienced with Jesus Christ. 
when I was a little kid, you remember this, remember when you were called up to the front of class to give a report on something you were supposed to study? Nothing was more painful than speaking about something you had little information about. Usually you studied about it the night before, just to make sure that you knew exactly what you were saying. And then you had to get up and talk about it as if it was something you knew something about. And it was painful. But Get an opportunity on another occasion, it would be wise for teachers to do, to, to tell the kids in the class about something that you loved. Something you loved to do and something you thought you were good at and something that you had experienced and it was a totally different experience altogether. Right? On those occasions, the teacher might have to interrupt you and stop you and tell you to get back to the class. In fact, you were probably talking about it to all your friends around you. That's why she got you up there to talk about it in front of everybody else. Yeah. It's easy to talk about things that you're familiar with, things that you know, things that you love. Reading a little book here just by Martin Lloyd-Jones over the summer called Joy Unspeakable. And Martin Lloyd-Jones, in one of the chapters, tells of words that he once read in an article in a newspaper And he says that the words in the article searched him to the very depth of his being. These words. It was a reporter who was giving an account of some political meetings that were taking place and of two different speakers that spoke on the same theme, the same subject. And the reporter noted that both speakers were excellent in their presentation. Both were eloquent. Both had marshaled their arguments well. Both of them were able to state their case clearly and so on and so on he wrote. But then he said, I felt, writer of the article wrote, I felt there was a great difference between the two men. And then he explains the difference. The one spoke to give his arguments and the other spoke to give his witness. The one spoke to give his arguments and the other spoke to give his witness. Lloyd-Jones says that that very description cut him to the core. It was like a searchlight, he said, that went down in the depth of his heart. The question he began to ask himself was, Was his message of Christ one of argumentation? Or was it one of witness? Was he just making his points and his arguments and his theological positions, or was he speaking as one who spoke out of experience? Giving witness to what God had made known to him and what the Holy Spirit made known to him of Jesus Christ. Changed the very way in which he evaluated his life and he evaluated his ministry and it changed what he wanted from the Holy Spirit. He wanted the Spirit of Christ to come in Holy Spirit baptism upon his life in order to bring him the experience of Christ. The last couple of weeks we've talked about the fact that regeneration was a reality that was known in the Old Testament and the Lord Jesus is revealing that it's a reality that's going to take place in the New Testament but now it's going to have a focus because men are by faith are going to know that this new life that's coming to them comes by their faith in him as the axis of the point at which it's given, it's poured out to men. But then the Lord Jesus began to teach his disciples, and this was something general that he spoke to the population. But now the Lord Jesus is having his last meal with his disciples, and now they're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and soon they'll be making their way to the cross to die for us. And in this moment, and Judas Iscariot has left the room, and it's at this point in time that the Lord Jesus begins to speak of this ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is something more than just regeneration. And this is something more than just the general truths you might say of Christianity. Here is the secret of the Christian life that he wants all of you and us to experience. And now pouring in baptism of the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us a genuine, deep, profound experience of the person of Jesus Christ. Not just naming him, not just having his name on our church, not just be able to profess him and be able to articulate what we believe and why we believe it, but knowing Him, experiencing Him, being wrapped in the wind and the water and the fire, 
of Christ's own life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord Jesus was promising to his disciples. If they would seek him for it and believe him for it. Later he'll tell his disciples to tarry until they're clothed with power. Clothed with these realities by the Holy Spirit. You can claim salvation through Jesus Christ. But at the same time have little to speak of experiencing him. If you find yourself in that situation, you're denying yourself the Savior's greatest promise to his followers. The great promise that he held out in the Holy Spirit. What you should do is ask him for this baptism. Seek it. Seek an experience. Ah, not the experience of the Holy Spirit. The experience of Jesus Christ. An encounter with his life. A communion with his person. An increased intimacy that grows and develops in your life that becomes the basis of your witness. An experience that you can give witness to, not simply argue for. You should not be satisfied with knowing about the Lord Jesus. When the Spirit has been given and He can come and He's been sent by Christ so that we could be immersed by the Spirit into an experience of Christ Himself. We should call out for that wind and that water and that fire of Christ's presence through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we would pray something like this. Spirit of Christ, sent from my Savior, blow on me. Blow life into my dusty bones. Catch my breath and take it away and pour the breath of your life in me, invigorating me, renewing me. Blow out the haze of confusion doubt. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.